Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today, we have the honor to sit down with author Angie Ward. Angie is the editor of Kingdom and Country, Following Jesus in the Land That You Love. This is book two in the Kingdom Conversation series. She is also a leadership author and teacher with nearly 30 years of experience in church, parachurch, and Christian higher education ministry. You can check out more information about her at angiewardphd.com. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us. Welcome. This is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee. And with me today is Brenna Varner in Albany, Oregon. How's it going, Brenna? It's going great. It's going great. I see you have your medical journey or your medical school sweater on. Is that what it is? It, it is. It's my office sweater because it's so cozy, but um, I might need one that has like a Forge logo on there. I feel this like is true because yeah. you can't you can't wear that anymore. I'll just you don't get a sticker. I'll just get a here. Look. Yeah, that's go. perfect. I fixed yeah, yeah. it. Just I put, put a sticker, sticker over. It now says for Yeah, that's it. Okay, I was just a little concerned because you just, you just, you just stopped that job and are now working for 100 movements. So I am, but this is just a comfy sweater, so I okay. still wear it. All right, well, we'll we'll let it happen. Mm-hmm. So, and then Terry from Austin, Texas, how's it going, Terry? It's going well. How are you it's doing? Going, <laughs> doing all right, man. You've got the uh, you've got the green polo on today, and it makes me nervous. Yeah. That's all right. It's all good. But what I'm really excited about with us for the second time, we had her last season. Actually, if I remember right, she kicked off last season she did. for us. And this is yeah. her third appearance on third the podcast. Third appearance. That's yes. right. Three time. We should have like the green jacket for this one or That's something. Right. Uh, third time, Angie Ward in Denver, Colorado. How you doing, Angie? Good. Is it like, do I get like Saturday Night Live, like the fifth yeah. host kind of That's thing? The third like time, there's third a five-time time yeah. club? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know. I'm yes. so honored. Yeah, this is awesome. That's right. I forgot that Roland had interviewed you quite a while ago. Yeah, one of the um, very early seasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back when we really had no idea what we were doing, but that's yeah. right. now we just fake it really, really <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> so here's one of the fun things. Uh, before we get into why we brought Angie here, uh, one of the things I like to do is I'll research a little bit, you know, who we're interviewing, like what's going on. And I dug into your CV a little bit, which is eight pages long. That's an academic thing. I'm sorry. No, no, it was great. Yeah. It was so much fun to go through. But one of the things I loved was uh, you're a good company because you survived doing youth ministry in the 90s. I and there's true. There's a lot of youth minister, <laughs> a lot of youth ministry in this room right now, right here. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on. I'm but sure we've got great th- stories. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I knew that. I had no clue. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I started out as youth ministry and then went into broader youth ministry, leadership development, and then leadership development and ministry. Yeah. In general. Yeah, okay. So you are the shining light to those who've been in ministry and youth ministry that, hey, something can happen to you. Good things can happen. You can level up. You can get past the trenches. Do enough and you'll have a boring eight-page CV. (laughs) You too can have a boring eight-page CV. Yeah, that's awesome. I I didn't think it was boring. I thought it was fascinating. So that was good. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was good. So the reason we brought you here was because you are about ready to release the second book in the Kingdom Conversations uh, book series, which I know there's going to be more than just two. At least I hope there is. Uh, we, yep. We, yep. We had you on last season to talk about When the Universe Cracks, and this time you're about ready to release Kingdom and Country, 
as following Jesus in the land that you love. So it comes out here pretty soon and would love to hear the ideas behind this. Like what in the world made you want to wrestle a topic like this? Well, we were going for tame topics, you know, and thought we could just, yeah. So, um, yeah, you're right. This is a series. So this is the second. The third, I'll do a little plug, is for the least of these. is going to come out next spring, Practicing a Faith Without Margins. But, yes, when we were um, envisioning this series, we went, okay, what areas do we need to really have kingdom conversations about? And this idea of kingdom and country was top on the list. And so... um, I think I say in the introduction, like, why would we do, you know, uh, dare to tread where angels fear to tread because of the looks I get, you know, about this topic. But that's why, because it's so needed and so we're living in such a polarized climate right now. Um, and we've got midterms coming up here pretty soon, more elections. And um, so it, this more than ever, we need to be able to have um, kingdom conversations around this topic of kingdom and country and um, patriotism and nationalism from a discipleship perspective. So that's what the series, you know, it's very, Nav Press being a discipleship publisher, it's very much coming at it from a, uh, what as followers of Christ, what what should this look like? Yeah, this is, this is a fascinating topic, especially with the midterms coming up. Uh, there are a lot of church pastors that I'm talking to right now who are scared out of their mind mm. about what is coming up. Like they are already preparing for the excrement storm, if you will, that is going to hit when all this happens. So when you're putting this together, who did you have in mind to kind of, kind of walk through this, to read this? Oh, to read this? Um, well, it's really a call. I mean, you and I, we were talking about this before we went live here, but um, there are some folks who say we should have, the book should have been stronger or harsher, but I think it's trying to say the first chapter is even, can we even have a conversation recognizing what happens to us emotionally, how charged this topic is, no matter where you land on all this stuff. And so again, it really is for anyone who claims to be a follower of Christ to, to look at this issue through that lens first and foremost. And so to kind of hopefully put off your, you know, take off your Democrat code or your Republican or your Libertarian or whatever it is, wherever, whatever country you're in, take off that identity and let's put on the first identity as a follower of Christ. And then let's look at that again through that, through that perspective. So I'm just hoping we can facilitate conversation, which is the goal of the whole series, but especially this book with this topic. I was taking a look at that first chapter because it's available free uh, on the website, friends. Go check it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a sentence that, remind me who uh, wrote that chapter? Was it Rod Wilson, the Can We Have a Conversation? Yeah. Yes. And he was talking about the need for conversation and respectful dialogue. And he said, practicing the respectful dialogue reflects an understanding that all people are fallen image bearers, made of strength and struggle, gifts Mm. and grime. Not just those who are like me and share my political leanings, but all people. And then this sentence killed me. I said, disrespecting someone by not engaging in conversation with them is a loud statement of what we think of their maker. And, oh man, I just paused on that because I think in our current climate, the breakdown in conversation is, I don't have to engage with you. And that being an indictment of how we're seeing the Imago Day and folks, I mean, just that piece alone, it really mm-hmm. struck me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, that chapter of like, how do we engage in conversation? And, you know, really, Angie, what would you say as 
the work that we need to do before we get into these conversations. I know, you know, you say you're doing uh, this book uh, to address Christian nationalism, but even before you start the conversation, there's some pre-work that needs to happen Mm -hmm. um, before we can start having the conversation. And what would you say that work is, that groundwork? Yeah, Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think some of us can't even think about this issue without feeling our blood pressure rise, you know, and just internally, we just feel so anxious or angry. And so, I I mean, I think emotional intelligence actually is a big piece Mm -hmm. of that related to spiritual um, health, you know, emotional health. And just, um, so I think one, that that reframing or regrounding as to the Imago Dei and everyone and that phrase, you know, as you read, you know, about what it says about our view of our maker um, and, so trying to reframe that and and then also just being aware of how we're showing up in these, con- you know, as we're even thinking and talking about that. And, and I think partly uh, acknowledging or looking at what are we filling our minds and hearts with? Where are our sources? Where are we going to? Probably some of us spend more time, you know, doom scrolling or looking at our favorite feeds or our favorite news, you know broadcast and not enough time really in, you know, in God's word or with the spirit or letting him transform us. You know, we're, we've gotten so, uh, that the, these issues have become the center for us mm-hmm. instead of Christ becoming the center. So I think those are some of the things we need to take a step back and can we, you know, I'm, you know, I'm exhaling going, okay here. And, and what is it that's agitating me so much? And, and that's like that first chapter says, can have a conversation and identifies like knowing your triggers and stuff. And that's stuff you can do, not just, it gets triggered when you're in conversation, but you can be aware of that stuff before you even go into a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. He was talking about um, the curiosity that's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I would echo what you just said. There's a curiosity externally that we need to adopt, but also internally, like, Hey, yes, I'm reacting absolutely. this way. <laughs> Get yeah. curious. Why am I reacting that way? Why does that reveal to yeah. myself? It was, it was a great, great chapter. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just want to thank you for writing, pull, pulling this book together simply because, uh, there's for, for a season, I've just felt real hopeless around mm. some of mm-hmm. these conversations. Um, I, I, I work out at planet fitness and, uh, I, I mainly lift weights, but there's just a part of my workout where I have to do some cardio like you the, and the machine that I do is right in front of the TVs that CNN, Fox <laughs> News and CBS. And I sit at the gym and I'm, I'm sitting there and it is the worst two miles of my life. Yeah, it, it's, yeah just, it's like it's, it's good so for your heart miserable. and bad for your heart at the same time. Yes. And you just sit there and it's like you, you see one feed and then you see the opposite feed. And it just they feel like they're millions and millions of miles apart. And, you know, I've. You know, I, I grew up Baptist for the most part, and and you know, I've got my kind of historical heritage view on on some things, and especially when it comes to country. But like in my in my adulting life, as I've gotten older and and broadened my my connections, I've I've adopted more of an Anabaptist mm-hmm. kind of perspective, and that that makes it that feels like it's even harder to kind of have these questions because at times it feels like if you if you adhere to an anabaptist kind of background of pacifism things like that that you oh well, you must hate the military or you must hate this country or you yeah. you know my father was a marine vietnam vet i'm very very proud of my father and and his 
you know, his his fellow uh, patriots and things like that. But it is it's so hard, I've, I find, to have these conversations. And so I'm curious, you know, in pulling the thing, pulling uh, kingdom, uh, uh, country, uh, oh, my gosh, kingdom and country together. Like, what would you like? What, what would be your advice to getting someone to like just begin to have this conversation? Because I think there is a bit of bravery that's required to, you know, it's one thing to pick the book up and read it in isolation, but to be able to say, okay, let's actually, let me, let me have the bravery to get up and have this conversation with other people. Like what are, what are some best practices, thoughts, like what's, what's your hopes and, and, and aim for that? Well, my hope is first, like you said, that, that there are conversations because I think people are either fearful or they, they, they have a conversation. They can't have a conversation of someone. They're either fearful because, of the, the reactions they get, or I've had been like a church we used to be in. Um, this was right around the Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the national anthem, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it was, um, some folks very, I would say actually probably, you know, American before Christian, you know, and, and I was saying, do you think they, there might be another perspective? They maybe have a different perspective. And they went, nope, just shut mm-hmm. it down. Completely. And so I just say, as, as believers, we, we are the ones who are supposed to be leading the way in having gracious conversations. And we, we can't even have them with our fellow brothers and sisters. It's, it is, so some of the best practices, I guess, first of all, just like the pre-work that you were talking about, you know, it's like, uh, um, Brenna, let's, let's resolve to grow ourselves in this area so that we can have these conversations um, about this topic, about, you know, other things, uh, you know, just other stuff that's going on in our, our culture and our political world right now. And so again, kind of that, that inner work and that pre-work. And, and if it's like, if we can't, if we can't have a conversation with be, out becoming so agitated, that's a, that's about us. That's an, that's an us yeah. problem. That's not a, your problem because you disagree with me. If you can't even hold that space, that's some, something that we need to address in our own lives, I think. Yeah, so th- this conversation reminds me of a book I read a while ago, and it's one of the few quotes that I hang on to and probably use quite a bit. And it's um, a, a book about a pretty pretty you know uh, heated topic with a lot of people. Uh, but the book is called, and the quote is called, It's Generous Spaciousness. Um, and the quote is this, it says, generous spaciousness isn't a moral statement. It is a way of being together. It acknowledges for a lot of reasons, including both legitimate and questionable ones, followers of Jesus land in different places on these questions. And these questions can be any, anything, any hot topic you're talking about, politics, immigration, LGBTQ, whatever it is, they land in different places. And then she goes on to say, this reality isn't likely to go away anytime soon, Generous spaciousness makes room for people to wrestle, to discern, to change their mind, to clarify their beliefs and values, to sustain living in alignment with their convictions, and to follow their conscience. And that I love is, is how can we have conversations that have generous spaciousness to them? As, as And I think you've kind of you've hit this on the head. I was reading the little review, or not the review, but kind of the small little blurb on the book. It's talking about how we're becoming more and more polarized. Yeah. You know, as as that and as Christians, these this is what we should be doing. We should be people who have generous spaciousness so that we can have these conversations. So that's why I'm I'm excited about this book getting sent yeah. into the world uh, for that right there. Yeah. And that's what I love about this series is that. It, and, and again, I love that it's a conversation series. Right. It's a it's it's the hope even 
when the universe cracks and um, kingdom and country. And then even to the least of these, the, kind of the third part of this thing, hopefully it's it's creating dialogue. And, you know, I know I know I actually know people who are listening to this podcast who they one of the one of the methodologies they do in engaging people is they take a book. And so, Dave, if you're listening, get the book, get a bunch of people <laughs> to get brawls. the book uh, and, you know, have conversations, you know, and they meet around their their, their coffee shop and they, they introduce this and, and walk through it. And, and I know that there's faithfulness in some of these things to be able to say, hey, we don't we don't have to all agree on everything. But can we have conversations? Because I believe it's in the conversations that that draws us closer to God. I think it, 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 that's that's the beauty of being created in, in the image of God. Yeah, and let me um, add that actually none of us have seen the final edition yet of the book because it comes out in a few weeks. But at the end of each chapter, there are discussion questions. And so that's Perfect. part of the yeah. thing for each ser- book in this series is that there's question. Some of them are, what is this raising in you? Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of reflection. So it's not just, you know, finding out how everybody else feels, but it's also mm-hmm. some self, you know, evaluation and, and looking at what's this doing inside you as well. Yeah, you're, I mean, Terry, you're, you're so right is that, I mean, discipleship, it's it's not about uh, assenting, you know, to a certain ascribing to a certain belief system or signing off on a doctrinal statement. I mean, it, it's forged in these types of conversations yeah. and in these relational contexts. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited, even more so now in having this conversation because uh, I I think I would voice what Terry was saying that uh, there's a little bit of anxiousness around this for all of us, and so to be mm-hmm. able to pause and to reframe and to have a a guide through getting into that place as as believers that we can um, lead in these conversations. Um, we can be non-anxious presence in these conversations, um, that we can do that work. And I'm so excited about it. So let's get in, like we're, we're in it. We've, we've done the work. We're ready to have a conversation (laughs) where we're managing our own selves and our reactions. Um, we're coming in with curiosity. Talk to us more about what, what the book is, is helping us to understand or to reframe as we're moving through these conversations. Yeah, I mean, I I'd love to if you could just maybe walk us through the the, the chapters and who who the authors that you've collected to be a part of this invited to be a part of this project. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So first one, and we've already talked about this a bit, is can we have a conversation? And that's Rod Wilson, and he's a psychologist and has been president of Regent University of Vancouver. So um, you know, he's talking about what are the things we have to identify in our own lives, and what is it that's so you know triggering for folks. Uh, and then the second chapter is uh, by, um, called The Kingdom of God is Here, and that's by Karen Wilk, who's with Forge Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So we've got some Forge representation here. So, um, and it's basically a theology of kingdom. And, and um, each of the books, we kind of do this introductory and then kind of a theology and then kind of a history. There's sort of a flow to each. But so Karen just kind of reminds us, like, what is it? What does it mean by kingdom? Because understanding kingdom is so foundational to our uh, um, understanding of ourselves as kingdom citizens and dual Mm -hmm. citizenship and kingdom and country. So let's look at what kingdom is, you know, and what does that mean? Uh, And then the third chapter is called A History of Kingdoms in Conflict. And that's a a guy, a colleague of mine named Ryan Tafalowski. He's a theology professor here, um, newly appointed at Denver Seminary, but also a pastor. I think his PhD was in like historical theology. So, and in, I think, like the theology of like 
um, Nazi Germany. And so he actually takes us through three different times where like at different points in it's in our history, the church or the body of Christ has been, you know, we've been sometimes viewed as the outsider. Sometimes we've been affiliated with power, you know, when, when in like Constantine, you know, Rome, suddenly it became the religion of the land. But then there's, there's other times where we've just had to navigate various positions of Christianity and the church and in relationship to kind of the kingdoms of the world. And so he walks us through some of that with some lessons to learn from that. Then uh, Derek Vreeland uh, talks about under the authority of another and talks about what it was like living in um, Babylon where you're under uh, another country. And so, you, so how you weep when you remember how things were, but what, what that's like to live, again, kind of in a stranger in a strange land, I think. And then one of them that, uh, these all challenged me, but the, chapter five is The Ethics of Allegiance by Sean Palmer from also there in Texas. And he talks about, he starts with this great story about a classmate of his in, I believe, elementary school um, wouldn't stand or wouldn't say the Pledge of Allegiance because she realized that you could only have one allegiance. And so you, and so he just, he, that's what he talked about, the ethics of allegiance. What does pledging allegiance really mean? Can you have more than one allegiance? What is primary, you know, what does that look like? And that, that just really got me thinking. And then this next one after that, another thought provoker, nation as narrative. So Michelle Reyes talks about how we each have, every country has a national narrative where we have these founding myths. And, and within the United States, we have several versions of how the United States began. Was it a Christian nation at its heart? Or was it, I mean, uh, it's, you know, that's the one I grew up with. And, and so we're all about, like, when you have that framework, then you're, trying to reclaim that, right, status. And uh, a friend was saying she was a missionary in Turkey, and she said, yeah, Turkey has kind of a narrative of conquest. And so Michelle, uh, in this chapter six, has us looking at, okay, what what is reality about these narratives, or what is fact and fiction, and, and just recognizing that we all have these narratives and how they color and shape our perspective, and even our ability to have these conversations. So then Tina Bosch is uh, chapter seven, and she's the friend, actually, who was a missionary in Turkey. So she she writes Strangers in a Strange Land. And so she's very acutely familiar with what it feels like to be a stranger in a strange land and for her kids to be third culture kids and how that what it feels like to navigate that tension of being, you know, dual citizens, either place. You know, they, she feels out of place almost anywhere she goes because she's been out of country and missionary context so long. And, and so, you know, what are, what are our tendencies and what can we learn to that? And then um, chapter eight is my fellow citizens. That's Alejandro or Alex Mendez. And so he uh, just wrote a book about the new Samaria and he talks about the importance of viewing each other as fellow kingdom citizens and realizing that the people like on the other side of the wall that we might think, you know, a president needs to build or, the people on the other side of the debate or the discussion, you know, the, the immigrants, all these people with different perspectives, um, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should be fellow kingdom citizens with that. And then Juliet Liu, um, she's uh, with Missio Alliance and uh, she's at um, uh, Life on the Vine Church in Chicago. She talks about politics, pulpit and pew. And so she looks at what is the role of congregations and pastors in this, not just individual believers, but like, when is it right or appropriate or not to speak from the pulpit? Like, what what is a pastor's role in that? 
And then the last one, Mandy Smith, just does a beautiful kind of benedictory chapter, chapter 10, if my people humble themselves. And, and really, it's a liturgy of repentance and of a new Pledge of Allegiance at the end. So she kind of rewords the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag and does a pledge to kingdom citizenship. So that you can see kind of there's that flow to the book. I, I, just, I just love all of them. And you've got people saying it's not, it's not harsh enough. That's well, I saying? think some people want a sledgehammer <laughs> and saying, yeah. this is wrong, blam, you know, blammo. But yeah, um, yeah. I, like, I think that's, only, that's, that's aimed at one particular audience. And I think that all of us as believers need to reevaluate all of these things yeah. ongoing. Not just if you're on one side, if you're not Republican enough or not Democratic enough or whatever. Yeah. Well, I have in my head, I have a particular um, pastor here in this area who, again, young gentleman, very, very much on his radar, the upcoming elections, um, very much on his radar, how he's trying to uh, even have his leadership be receptive to conversations that they would would want to reject. Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to navigate all of that. And so to a pastor like that, who's who's in a, let's say it's a rural environment, you know, it leans very much one way and mm-hmm. that's the way like this, there, there's a Christian that's baptized Christianity, right? Like there's like mm-hmm. a, this, this way is how you're supposed to do it. This is what yeah. Jesus would do. Yeah. Um, would you have a pastor like that? What would you say to a pastor like that? Who's, who's wanting to pick up this book and enter into those conversations in that context? Well, good for you, first of all, for wading into those waters. I mean, because I was just listening to a webinar last week and talking about how congregations are now punishing pastors for for pastors challenging your perspective of reality. And so saying, is this true or not? You go, does the fact that you question that, I'm going to go to a different church where they don't question me. And so for a pastor like that to wade into that, good for you and so needed. And you're going to get, I think, dinged up and bruised. But, you know, hopefully a book like this can be uh, the bad guy in a sense in that, like, it's the lightning rod. It's like, well, this pastor can say, well, I'm not saying, look, but what do you think of what this book says? You know, hopefully it it can become the, the either the lightning rod or the gathering point where it's like, let's interact with the content in the book instead of rejecting the people on either side of the conversation would be my hope. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it, it, that's 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 been our parenting strategy with, with with our daughter. It's like, hey, yeah. you don't have to be the bad guy. Mom and dad can be the bad guy. Yes. You just you just engage and it's a gift. Really, it's a gift yeah. that you that we give our daughter and this is a gift you've given the church to say, hey, here's just something to get the conversation started. You don't have to say you agree 100% with everything written. Yeah. But you get people talking. And and yeah. again, it's it's in the talking where those walls begin to fall down. Because we come in, just like you said at the beginning of the interview, where some people, when you say, is there a different perspective? Is there a different worldview? And it's like, no, 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 there's no, there's only one perspective on this issue and it's mine. And if you don't agree, then here are the results. And yeah. I love that you've created this thing where it, 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 it's going to help people have conversations. And it's wonderful. I love it. I, sh- I sure hope so. It's going to help people have conversations. It's also going to help people get bruised and dinged up quite a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, help people have fights. That's just the Facebook trolls and Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I really hope they can say, you know, like Rochelle Reyes, Nation as Narrative, say, what do you, you know, she, I think she points out a reality. We all have narratives. And so that's yeah. like, you can say, well, what do you think of what she said? And what do you think you're, what narratives are you prone to? And maybe even saying, what are some narratives in 
like you could start by saying, what's what's the the narratives and the myths in your family? Like, who are the heroes and the villains in your, you know, we all have these whatever groups were part. Denver Seminary has its own like narrative and founding myths, you know, who are, and, and so these are just kind of realities, but when we apply it to this topic, it just gets so charged, you know? And yeah. so hopefully it can enable people to let down and come together. Mm. I even think the nature of when you were going through the chapters, I was like, wow, that's a lens of looking at this in a way I hadn't thought of. Mm. It's just really interesting to look at it from somebody's lens who maybe doesn't have a country and what that's, you know, there's just so many different lenses. And I, just even the nature of being able to see something from different lenses helps bring down that, this, you know, divisive one side or the other. That's just such a, a beautiful, like the, the medium is the message <laughs> in, in this book that you're able to, to go through that journey. And that's going to help break down some of our, our polarization um, just in the nature of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here I got a quick question for you because you'd mentioned it a little bit. How you had somebody, one of the authors who grew up in a in a different culture. Uh, I think you said one of the authors grew up in Turkey. Okay. Uh, well, she's been these... a missionary, and her kids grew up has grown okay. up there. Yeah, but gotcha. she's been missionary in multiple countries. So yeah, gotcha. Okay, so are all of these American authors? Manny Smith's not. So she's Australian, okay. right? All so right. she spent some time here in the United States, and uh, I believe Cincinnati. I think all the rest are, but Alex Mendez will talk about how he grew up being as not an immigrant, but, but, um, you know, from an ethnic minority. And so some of them have grown up being on the other side of the margins. Yeah. So, um, even if they, and well, Karen's Canadian. So Rod, I'm not sure he's from originally, but he was, I think he still lives in Canada now. He was serving at Regent in Vancouver. So North American primarily. That's just because that's the audience and yeah. we have the connection with. But um, yeah. yeah, and Michelle yeah. is M- Michelle is Indian. Uh, yeah, and then but married to a, a Hispanic Aaron. Yeah, uh, pastor, and so uh, yeah, yeah. She, I love Michelle. She has such a a unique yeah. perspective, uh, especially on cultural intelligence. Yeah, well, so yeah. and I mean, we've got females. Definitely, you know, female. We've got um, definitely multi-ethnic. Juliet, you know, Lou's Asian. So it's definitely not just, you know, white American men. I'm pleased yeah, with yeah. that. We've really, you know, tried to have. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yes. yeah I know. That's awesome. Yeah, love it. Yeah. And, yeah, and sometimes, honestly, we've there's other folks. Um, sometimes we've asked, and they're they're so busy with other projects too that we, you know, we we got we get no's from some solid people as well. Um, yeah. But it always is fun what, to see how the the group comes together, and then we actually do a Zoom with all of them as we're developing the. And once we've had them all kind of lined up, and so they each talked briefly about what their chapters and where they're going. So there hopefully is some sort of, you know, some harmony between, yeah. uh, because it's not just you write a separate chapter, you write, and they do, but we're trying to bring some cohesion to the whole thing. Yeah. I think that's, that's very, that's beautiful. And I love the fact that it is very diverse as there's a new phrase I heard just like, I think last week, and it's, it's not male, pale and stale. Ah, <laughs> it's going right. to be my new, my new phrase. Nice. Um, uh, but I love that. And and sometimes it is really good for us in the United States to hear outside voices as well. Like before we went live, we were just talking about how um, we've got some good friends that actually, they live in Australia and they have very strong comments and thoughts about the you know, a lot of this, you know, they're the ones that are, are saying you need to, what what are you doing? You guys are leading the world right now. What are you doing? <laughs> and having very yeah. strong critique, uh, but it's, it's based out of love. And I love yeah. that. I love having the, the, 
the multiple, all these different voices that are, that are able to do that. But especially, you know, having the voices that are internal as well and saying, Hey, this is something that we're all struggling with. That's good. Mm -hmm. How how did you end up picking a lot of the authors that you, that you asked to be a part of this book? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a process. It's a fun process. We, we kind of start out first. We, um, I work with the, my editor at Mad Press and we kind of first flesh out what flow of chapters we want and kind of the general topics like you said, and, and therefore then that lends itself to, okay, well for chapter two, we need someone who brings the historical perspective. Well, that who might be some people for that, you know? And so some, um, some of the chapters we say, well, or some of the contributors we say, well, if we can get so-and-so, we definitely want them you know, and, and we say, take your pick of these two or three, maybe they're able to do a couple other, uh, we kind of have a depth chart. It's almost like an NFL, uh, you know, uh, professional sports draft. We really, we do where we kind of go, okay, we, we'll go for these people, you know, we want a diversity of voices and perspectives, yeah. you know, and so balancing all that. And, and then part of it just comes down to their availability. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. it's just like, well, I'd love to, but I just can't cause I'm in the middle of three other books or whatever. Yeah kind of thing. And, um, but every time we get, I think just the right people. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. Well, awesome. Well, uh, Angie, if it's all right, I'd like to just pivot the conversation a bit and this is just follow up. So you were actually our season finale of season one. And uh, that first season we interviewed you and you had written a book. You, you weren't the editor of a book. You wrote the book. I am leader. It's a mm-hmm. book uh, on women in leadership. And I would love just to kind of hear it's It's been a couple of years since that book has been released. What are your thoughts on where where are we in really platforming and championing women in leadership? I just love to kind of get your thoughts on where we're at, where we can continue to grow and even just have some next steps and how we how organizations and churches can just do a whole lot better job at that. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, great question. Um, I think how we're doing depends on what pocket of the world or corner mm. of the kingdom you're looking in. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously in some, uh, you know, you're seeing what's happening with people reacting to Beth Moore or to Rick Warren and, you know, the Southern Baptist there. It's, it's still a very major test of orthodoxy and whether you can even be in the nomination, you know, as we saw. Yeah. Um, you know, if you followed any, what were their annual convention, um, in Anaheim, you know, in June. And, and so there's some where there's just, I'm not, probably not much movement. Um, and I'm not saying all Southern Baptists. So let me just do a disclaimer there. I got my PhD from Southern in Louisville. So, um, but so there's certain pockets though, where there's, um, there's a lot of, I think people are asking the question more and there are, I think, when I was writing the book, and I can't remember if I said this, you know, a couple last time we we talked, we lived in Indiana back then. That's how long ago it's been. Now we've moved to Denver. But um, the women, so I'm 52. The women older than me, there was a lot of resentment for feeling like they never never had opportunities. Younger women are, I think, being able to find more pockets. Again, depending on kind of what context you're in, but they're they're seeing some more more openings. And I, you know, I would encourage churches and ministries, even if you have a complementarian perspective, they're like, we need partnership, no matter yeah. what, no matter where you land on that. And, and so I think some next steps are to continue to look toward, there's, there's ways to, to platform or give exposure um, beyond a pulpit, beyond even um, necessarily, I mean, being on a plat- literal platform is one way, but, but there's so many ways we can be integrating 
partnership into not just, you know, not just elevating women, not not putting men down to elevate women. I don't think that's the right response either, you know, and, and uh, you know, to elevate both together into full partnership. The way my husband and I, he's a he's a pastor. We've been in pastoral ministry 25 years. And we we both talk about how we we both want to have our calling be like living fully into two exclamation points. Like we both are able to be fully who we are together and for us, that's a his and a mine and an hours in our, you know, marriage and ministry, that type of thing. But how can we fully, like, fully male, fully female, fully partnership? And so, you know, certainly we have uh, a, a lot more work to do and a lot more work in some corners than others. Um, but, you know, I've been encouraged by, I, I think the book has been helpful. What I've heard most is from women saying, naming they're not alone and naming like the tensions that they feel and the unique challenges they feel, I think has been very hope giving or just encouraging to women. We did a um, kind of follow up to that. We did a conference at the end of April called Be a retreat for women leaders because we realized there weren't, there were leadership like conferences and there were maybe, maybe leadership retreats, but they were more like leadership skill focused. And then there's like women's retreats. And so this was, Hundred women came from around the country, actually in Canada as well, um, to Glen Area, Colorado Springs, and so there's certain there's just more than ever a need for spaces for women to feel supported and safe and encouraged. Does that answer your question? That's Hope beautiful. That helps. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Yeah, and just I mean, it's a good word, but it's also just I mean, good encouragement that you know keep leaning in and and keep you know again, it's it's I, I love that creating space. It is, it's about creating space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would echo that. You know, I would say as a a woman who um, was in very complementarian circles and, and then stepping into more leadership um, in the areas, in those pockets where men did uh, appreciate the gifts that I brought to the table and whatever form that was, when they did value those gifts, it gave me a, a, a buffer, I would say, when I was in environments mm-hmm. that didn't affirm those gifts. Um, so, I, you know, I'd say to, you know, pastors, leaders who are, they're trying to affirm women in their, you know, I hear a lot from them, like, I'm trying, you know, the women don't want to step up and they don't, you know, they're, they're trying to create the space. But I would say, keep trying and keep creating those places that women can use their gifts. Uh, and because in those spaces, it's it, it multiplies because if a woman gains uh, confidence or permission in one area, it will transfer to other areas as well. Right. That's so good. I think it becomes, and you can tell me if you agree with this, Brenna, it, 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 the no's no longer become the defining yeah, there it is. And so like I felt like for me for so long it was I started to question who I was because I was told I couldn't or shouldn't or ought not or what you know was wrong whatever kind of thing but but those pockets of like feeling watered you know is just like okay there are spaces that exist outside of this and that's you know uh, uh, okay and you just start thirsting for those I guess. Yeah. Well, Angie, again, as, as Terry said, this is so this is the third book, right? So I am leader. You had uh, when the universe cracks, and now you've got kingdom conversations. And uh yeah. all of these are pretty charged topics. 
none of these are really easy, right? So as we're talking about, you know, women in leadership, as you're talking about politics and kingdom and, and uh, you know, allegiance to country and all that happens. <laughs> I guess my question for you is, one, are you a prophet? Like, is that is that part <laughs> of your, your gifting there? Maybe I need to pick the nice topics and yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's I mean, it. What is, it is, is, yeah. What is it about you that like loves to get into these conversations and kind of wrestle with these? Oh, good question. I do think I'm a space maker. I think um, like even as a teacher, like uh, a professor in the classroom, I, I like to create these, the space for this learning and growth. And so, and, to, and this, like we try to talk about in teaching about creating disequilibrium. And so like that's actually what creates the growth is is not just stuff that you already know or already kind of uh, agree with you know and so I guess it's partly just in my bent I, I think I think my teaching and leadership are actually kind of outworkings of hospitality for me of create inviting people into those spaces my writing a lot of times is is sort of a teaching function in that same way in that let's talk about this let's learn together yeah I guess. Yeah, but that's a particular skill set or a particular bent to say, I want to create yeah. that much disequilibrium. I want to like really get in there and create yeah. that space, um, which I love. I think that's great. So I'm at, I don't know if you know much about the Enneagram. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So I'm all about oh, yeah. the challenge. Yeah, yeah. it's like, let me add them. I'm actually yeah. a one on the Enneagram. So I don't know, I mean, how that relates at all to that. But I, you know, at our, uh, one of our previous churches, I taught a, a kind of ongoing class on what does the Bible really teach? And so if, at first people came for curiosity, like, oh, where is this going to go? You know, that same type of morbid <laughs> fascination, <Yeah. laughs> you know, but at the end they're saying, uh, I, w you know, I thought you'd take, you, you'd be like, I'd feel unwelcome because of my perspective or whatever, but you mm -hmm. ended up creating a space for everyone. And I was able to, so to me, that's, that's a win for me, I guess, or who I am for my calling yeah. and unique gift, I guess, is to be able yeah. to do that. I don't know where that came from or, well, God, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, of course, right. right. But, but I, you know, I, I don't know how that was wired in me or where that, yeah. but it's just kind of been a thing. But I would say it is incredibly needed right now. So when you're talking about yeah. this, uh, one of the images I have was if, if you know anything about CCDA, um, CCD, they hold the Christian Community Development yeah, the Association. Development Association. Yeah. yeah, so they hold these conferences. And I went to a conference that I didn't get to go to this particular session, but a, a, an acquaintance or a, a person I used to work with went to this one, and it was all around the hot topic of the LGBTQ, right? You know, mm -hmm. And uh -huh. said, let's get a bunch of people in the room. They had a moderator. They had somebody who was going to facilitate the conversation. And then they had people from all over the spectrum you know, uh -huh. as, as diverse as you could get to have a conversation. To me, that is beautiful. That is uh -huh. the ministry of reconciliation. Let's bring things together. And what I see your, your heart is trying to create those spaces as well, like, mm, yeah. and, which is so incredibly needed, right? Like our society needs this. We need spaces to come together and say, how do we discuss this? How, how do we, how do we actually have a conversation about this? Yeah. 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 And I would say there's a posture to that. Because yes. I was having a conversation with someone uh, just just earlier today, and we were talking about the, this idea of the ministry of reconciliation. We oftentimes you'll see people, and and I'm guilty of this. It, we take the posture of it's my right to participate mm -hmm. in the ministry of reconciliation, when in reality it's a simple privilege given to us by God. Mm -hmm. And when it's time for us to step aside and 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 our ego not to be anywhere near it, that that that's that's where it really is reconciliation. It's really where God shines. And so, um, I love that. 
Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm continually challenged by um, the Benedictine concept of hospitality, which is, you know, welcome or greet each guest as they were, as if they were Jesus Christ. And I think it's through that, whether it's in my home or my class or, or, you know, a coworker, whatever is somebody where I go, what if this were, was Jesus? I, you know, it's just, that just reframes and challenges the whole thing instead of the can't, I can't cancel. We're, I don't know that we're allowed to cancel in that mm-hmm. sense. Well, Angie, I'm I'm excited for part two of the Kingdom Conversations, Kingdom and Country. Uh, I know part three is already kind of you got the framework ready, and yeah. um, that's on. Uh, what is the title of that? In the least of these. Yeah, the least of these. I think of the subtitle is "Practicing a Faith Without Margins," and yeah. yeah, we just sent the final edits. That's coming out next spring. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah. And any hope for a women in ministry part four? Like, could we get a fourth conversation book going? Because uh, that, that would be some fun perspectives. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's a good idea. The, the thing, the um, the thing I'm thinking through actually is a book similar. I am uh, I am a leader, but about women who are called to kind of the intellectual life or the life of the mind, mm. and so maybe doing a contributed thing around that, not as part of this series, but yeah. I don't know. There's always stuff simmering in there. You you don't want to open the head and look inside. It's a, no, it's a scary place. We do. Of course yeah. we do. You open it up. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Well, Angie, thank you so much. You, our tribe has been just blessed and, and it's been a really benefit from your writing and editing and, and just how you've collected voices. And so we're excited for this new one where, I mean, Amazon, obviously NAF press, where else? I mean, any, any special like podcasts or anything you guys are doing to support this uh, coming up or is it just the book release? Kind of doing the usual, you know, invitations to podcasts and stuff. Nothing cool. specifically with the publisher just around um, this topic, but just trying to keep, you know, again, foster conversations around these different topics. Very cool. And what's yeah. like if people wanted to get a hold of you, what's like the best? I mean, is there a certain social media or a website where they yeah. can land? Yep, AngieWardPhD.com, and um, there you can, you know, there's a contact form or whatever. You can, if you Google me, you'll find me, Denver Seminary. I'm sure I'm listed on their website. I mean, uh, I'm out there somewhere. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's, what's your role at Denver Seminary again? Oh, yeah. I'm assistant director of our Doctor of Ministry program. Awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, so I get to work with ministry leaders um, from all over the world, uh, encouraging them and, and kind of shepherding them as they're going through their journey. Another learning and growth, disequilibrating journey. Yeah. Well, I can't think of a better person to be investing and engaging the future leaders. So we just thank really you. appreciate your voice. And so thank I love you, Angie. Too. So, so glad to be connected with y'all and with Roland. In fact, we're having them up to dinner sometime pretty soon. So looking forward to hearing what God continues to keep doing through your movement. Good stuff. Thank you, Angie. Well, Angie, you said that your book ended with a benediction. So I thought maybe I would end this podcast with a benediction. Oh, that'd be uh, awesome. And this is the benediction, uh, The Kingdom of Heaven, written by Reverend Nathan Williams. Mm. It says, do not be afraid. The kingdom of heaven comes to change and transform us, to reshape the world according to God's reconciling will. Mm. Go forth to bear witness to this community of love. May the living presence of Christ be with you. The life-giving power of God sustain you and the perfect light of the Holy Spirit shine within you, now and to the end of the age. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America cultivates practitioners who join in the mission of God. 
If you'd like to know more about Forge America, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com. Thank you.